Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. There are two ways to approach the Bible, either with the desire to learn and be changed or with the plan to just look like you've got it sorted. What do you think? A little harsh, maybe? Let's look further and take the example of the Israelites that the prophet Jeremiah was talking to. This week, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 42, whether good or bad, we will obey. We're looking at this passage of scripture and like we should do with anything we read in scripture, I want us to actually understand what the scripture itself says. So that means I want us to understand the background to it. I want us to understand the context, what's going on here. So that when you're reading your Bible and you read through Jeremiah, you can go, ah, I know where Jeremiah fits in the timeline of what God is doing in people's lives and in the life of Israel. That's one motive. So that when you're reading through, particularly the Old Testament, which can be difficult for people to understand, you can begin to have a greater ability to understand what's going on. All right, so that's the first thing I want to do. Secondly, what I want to do is look at why was God doing this in, in these people at this time? And, and that's an important question. What, what, why was he doing this in them? What was he saying to them? And then I want to do probably the most difficult thing, and that is, so what? What has that got to do with us today? The other thing I want to do is that I'm aware that there are some here today, and I'm absolutely thrilled that you are here. For you, this may be the very first time you've heard, you've heard me or you've heard anything from the Bible itself. You've heard anything from the book of Jeremiah. And so this is all completely new for you. You have made my day. Thank you so much for being here. It is just wonderful that you are here. One of the things that we will try and do, and we will always try and do as a church, is to make people who know very little about God or the Bible or Christianity feel utterly at ease and welcome here, particularly on a Sunday. We, we will never uh, force anybody to change their mind or change their views or become a Christian. We'll never do that. We, we don't think that's appropriate at all on any level. So what we will do is present the best case we can for why you should give your life to Jesus. And we hope that we can do that so that you think this is, this is a really good option for me. And that's a part of the goal. So for me to do that, I'm aware that, that there are people who have not been to church ever before in their life and we have people constantly coming here on a Sunday who do that we also have people watching you'll notice cameras around here we have this is going live to the internet right now and I've met some of these people and they have said this is their church but they've never set foot in this building so that's interesting in in fact this year just this year we've had 2,812 people participate in our online church service so there's there's a bunch of people around tasmania around launceston who are doing that and 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 in other places as well and and we welcome them to do that that's wonderful but then there's i hope a growing number of people and you love god you 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 want to know really what God is saying in his word. You've come to recognize that the Bible is the inspired 
word of God. And you, you want to get the best out of it. And so today I want, I want to be able to achieve the goal of speaking to those who know very little and the goal of those who want to know more. How long does it take for God to hear and answer our prayer for direction? And I hope as you look at this first verse, and I want you, as we, as we look at this, I hope that you go away here thinking, you know, I'm going to read my Bible differently. I'm going to make a commitment that each day I'm going to read something from the Bible and I'm going to read it differently. And let's see if we can give you some tools and some tips on how you might do that better. So we're in verse 7. This is what it says. At the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So we're going to come back to that 10 days statement in a moment. You might remember in the first six verses of this chapter, we have the commander of the, the, four, the, the what's left of, of the people. This is a, a military guy and he's got a bunch of soldiers with him. And his name's Yohanan. And he has just been on a, a, a rescue mission and he's rescued a, maybe a, a dozen or two people. And, and he's got these, these, this group of people and he's brought them back to the destroyed city of Jerusalem. Babylon has recently come through and destroyed the city. Uh, he fled so that he didn't lose his life. And he's, the Babylonians have left and he's gone back into the city. There's been another turmoil that's happened where the governor that was appointed by the king of Babylon was executed. He was assassinated. And this guy, Yohanan, has sort of stepped up and taken leadership. And he's come after rescuing Jeremiah and brought them back to um, just outside Jerusalem and said, Jeremiah... You hear from God, that's obvious to us. You, you know how to hear from God and speak God's word. Would you please ask God what we should do? That's a great, great request, a great prayer request. So Jeremiah does. He goes away and he seeks God. And now this is where we pick it up. Did you notice that? After 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah ponder that for a moment here's jeremiah we've looked through you know these first 41 chapters and, and jeremiah is hearing god hearing god hearing from god hearing and it might sound like he's on you know uh, uh, he's on nbn connection with god it might sound like that but this verse gives us an insight into what was going on in jeremiah's relationship with god there were times when he had to ask and ask and ask and be still, be quiet, try and get rid of distractions and just listen, listen to God. And in this instance, it took 10 days. So if you're praying for direction, that's Jeremiah, one of the most brilliant prophets that's ever lived. If it took Jeremiah, a brilliant prophet, 10 days to hear from God, don't be discouraged if it takes you more than 10 minutes to hear from God. You know what I'm saying? It could take you a little while. That's okay. Because I want to show you something about what Jeremiah had to say as well. And he summoned Yohanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. 
to say, let's ponder that 10 days thing. They've come to Jeremiah and said, tell us what God... And I would, if I was Johanan, I, I would expect, you know, probably by lunch, Jeremiah would come back to me. I would be thinking maybe if it's not lunch, it'd be afternoon tea. He'll come back to me. 10 days go by. Silence. Is God ever silent? Yeah, God seems to be silent frequently. And so it seems that God will test our hearts by his silence. And there's an example in 2 Chronicles 32, 31. In fact, 2 Chronicles 32 actually is the background to the whole book of Jeremiah because King Hezekiah had envoys come from Babylon long before it was a world empire. And he showed them the gold that he had. He showed them all the treasures of his palace and all the treasures of the temple. And the prophet Isaiah comes in as he sees the envoys ride off into the sunset and says, who are these guys? They were the envoys from Babylon. What did you show them? I showed them all the riches of Jerusalem. You fool. And it says that God withdrew from Hezekiah during that time. And God was silent with Hezekiah. So God will be silent. That's not a good reason to stop worshipping him. In fact, can I suggest it's a really good time to worship him. And God tests our hearts by silence. God tests our hearts by his commands. He will get us to do things. He will ask us to do things. We'll see things in his word. I've met people who have been desperately hurt in a vital relationship they have. And then they'll be reading something that Jesus said, perhaps just around the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus said, unless you forgive the one who's offended you, the one who's hurt you, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. And they've gone, I do not like that. I do not like that. God, you cannot expect me to forgive my husband for forgetting my anniversary. There's no way. Now, I'm trying to be a little bit trivial, but there are some people that take that approach with God. And sometimes he'll test our hearts to see whether how, how we respond to his commands. And there's a couple of verses there too. Jeremiah 17 verse 10. In fact, when I looked at those two words, test and heart, I found it's all through Jeremiah. There's lots of times when Jeremiah actually said this. God tests hearts. And this morning, before I came up, I mentioned that woman, that Syrophoenician Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. That was a test. Jesus was testing that woman. So let's not think God doesn't test he does if you pray and god doesn't answer you may be being tested hang in there just like that woman was god tests our hearts not so he can learn what's in our heart but so that we can (laughs) when we're tested our hearts are revealed to us have you ever men let me talk to the men you ever come home from a day when just there were just things that just did not go well? <laughs> people, people, just leave it there, shall we? People, maybe someone irritated you, upset you, said something to you, 
Am I the only person that ever has people do that? No. Every day. And you come home and you're already... If there was a cat, you'd kick it. You know what I mean? It's like... If there was. I'm not saying that's a good thing. But you got the idea. And you see something. It's a, it's a nothing. It's something your wife has done or your son or your daughter or your whatever. It's just... And you snap. And then... Afterwards, you go, I shouldn't have done that. That was weak. That was really weak. Can I tell you, in those moments where every fiber of your body wants to snap, that's a test of your character. I look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Man, he was under a test. He was under intense pressure. So much pressure, it says he was sweating blood. And he comes to his disciples and they're asleep. He just says, couldn't you just stay awake and out? I'll tell you what, if I would have said something that didn't sound anything like that, I would have snapped big time. But he was under a test. And there are times when we're under a test too, like that. And it's at those times that what's really in our heart gets revealed. So, And God will do that so that we understand our true condition before him. Um, I would much rather have God correct me in this life than discover I needed correction in this life and get to heaven and have to live with it for eternity. So, verse 10. If you, this is Jeremiah's word to Johanna. Now, I've just said God will test by commands that we may not like. God will also give us a word, sometimes in his word, that we'll see this is what God wants me to do. It reminds me of the, the man who was bushwalking. And as he was bushwalking, he, he knew about this canyon, this magnificent canyon. And he goes right up to the edge of the, the cliff face of the canyon. And he's looking over and suddenly he stumbles and he falls and he grabs a branch. Just a few meters down from the top, just there's nothing else to grab onto. And he's got this little tiny tree thing that he's holding onto and his arms straining and below him there's a 3,000 metre drop. <laughs> it's like, I'm not trying to build a drama. And he's there and he's holding on and he's not a religious man, but suddenly he is. And he says, help! No, no, is there anybody up there? Help! And he's crying out to the God that he never even bothered about. Is there anybody? Yes comes back the booming voice help me okay i will all right then let go is there anybody else up there <laughs> and sometimes i think life is so i'm just gonna have a little private laugh because i think that's hilarious sometimes life is like that with god he says, let go, and we think we're letting go of the only thing that's giving us security at that moment. This is what Jeremiah says to Johanan, and it's kind of like this. If you'll remain in, in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent of the disaster that I did to you. Now, here's what Johanan's thinking. He's a military guy. He 
was probably involved in the battle when the Babylonians came in and he probably fled out through one of the gates and he fled into the fields and he escaped by the skin of his teeth from those ferocious Babylonians. He knows what these guys will do. And Jeremiah is saying, the will of the Lord is for you to stay in the city and probably the Babylonians will come back. So just stay there and it'll all be good for you. And Johanan's going, not a chance. That, that's his emotional response to this. And so just like the man holding on to that tree root on the cliff, it sometimes it takes trust to obey God. It takes trust to obey God. When, <clears throat> when you recognize who God is, it's easier to trust him. When you come to know him, it's easier to trust him. Trust him in the small things because one day you may need to trust him in the big things. Verse 11, Jeremiah goes on to Johanan and he says, Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not fear him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. Do not fear him. It, it's almost, if we read between the lines, it's almost as if it's, don't fear him, fear me. Don't be afraid of him, trust me. And these words, trust and fear, and I'm going to suggest worship, are interchangeable. You see, if you're more afraid of something than God, then really, that's your object of worship. Whatever has your attention Whatever you give devotion to, whatever you submit to, that's your God. And God says, do not fear those things. Fear me. In other words, he's saying, trust me. Make me the object of your devotion. Make me the object of your worship. You will worship something in your life. You will. The question is, who or what? Verse 12. I will grant you... Mercy, Jeremiah continues, that he may have mercy on you and let you remain in your own land. So I want, I want to bring out this, this term that, that Jeremiah has said God will do this. I will grant you mercy. God is a merciful God. He's a merciful God. I'm going to suggest to you, that when God is merciful to you, he's not doing something you deserve. In fact, if he did, it wouldn't be mercy. What is mercy? God, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. That's mercy. And when Jesus died on the cross, God was being merciful to us. We deserve the wrath of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, that was God being merciful to us. And that's why I'm going to say this. God is the most unfair person in the universe. And I'm going to say, thank God that he is. God is the most unfair person. And it's reflected in his mercy and grace. If mercy is God, God not giving us what we deserve, what is grace? Giving us something we don't deserve. If you get that, 
It'll transform the way you see God. It'll transform the way you see the world. It'll revolutionize the way you see life. God is merciful and he's gracious. Verse 13. But if you say, we will remain, uh, we will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God and saying, no, we will go to the land of Egypt. What's in Egypt? Egypt is a place where it's full of idols. They worship the pharaohs. They worship statues. They have all these objects that they trust in. And if you say you'll go there, where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet, the military trumpet, or be hungry for bread, and we will dwell there, then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you set your faces to enter Egypt and go to live there, then the sword you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt and the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt and there you shall die. Jeremiah has given this word to Yohanan and to the people. Stay in Jerusalem and everything will go well for you. This is where God wants you to be. Yohanan's looking at it going, if I stay in Jerusalem, this is going to be really awkward. It's going to be really uncomfortable. It's going to be really difficult. I don't know if I want to stay where it's uncomfortable, awkward and difficult. Can I tell you that if you're not a Christian and you hear someone like me say, you should become a Christian, you may well hear, if I become a Christian, it's going to be really uncomfortable, it's going to be really awkward and it's going to be really difficult. And if that's what you hear, then I'm glad because that's pretty much true. Has anyone found that their life became so much easier when you became a Christian? In fact, it can become uncomfortable, awkward and difficult. I'm not a great salesman, am I? But there is a but. What Jeremiah is saying to these people is exactly the same as what Jesus Christ is saying to every person on the planet today. Come, follow me. I cannot promise, Jesus is saying to people, that in following me it won't be difficult. I cannot tell you in following me it won't be awkward. I cannot say that if you follow me it won't get uncomfortable. Now come, follow me. Hmm. So really, the gospel summons us to respond in exactly the same way Jeremiah was asking these people to respond. It takes trust and obedience to follow God and forsake idols. You see, Yohanan and these people have the choice. Will we trust God or will we go down to Egypt and trust their gods? This is the choice. And I think there are people today that, that know Jesus Christ is trustworthy. Everything he said is true. But I'm not, I don't know if I'm prepared to do that because if I do that, I'm going to lose out. So let me tell you, this is probably what Johannan was thinking too. And oftentimes the very thing we think we'll lose by turning to God is the very thing we'll lose if we don't. 
If I come to Jesus, I'm going to lose my security. I'm going to possibly lose. You just fill in the blanks. And the reality is, if you come to Jesus, you can only gain. You can only gain. Let me say the same thing a little bit differently. Oftentimes, the very thing we think we will keep or gain by not turning to God is the very thing we miss out on if we don't. If I become a Christian, I won't be happy anymore. Let me tell you, you become a Christian, you may know a happiness that you never thought was possible. If I become a Christian, I will lose all my friends. You may. But you may gain a whole lot of new friends. You may. I don't think that's the reason to become a Christian. But if we can deal with these objections, you might be inclined to do the right thing. And here's what Jeremiah has said to Yohanan. If you remain in this land... You will be protected, you will be blessed, you will have children who will have children who will have children. You'll be looked after. And that's what he wanted, really. And we read in verse 17, not on the screen, this was his response. And all the men who set their faces... All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live there shall die by the sword by famine. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster that I will bring upon them. And we go on and we'll see that indeed Johanan rejected what Jeremiah had to say. He actually chose not to obey the very thing he said he would obey. And he paid a dear price for it, as we'll see. And can I say, Jesus did not come so that you could have a happy life. Jesus didn't come so that you could have a more prosperous life. Jesus didn't come so you could have a comfortable life. Jesus came to save your soul for eternity. Jesus came so that you might know God and the riches of knowing God. Jesus came so that he could bear your guilt and your shame and pay the price for it on a cross in your place. That if you'll turn to him and ask him to save you from your sin, you will know a peace with God that, that you cannot buy, you cannot get in a bottle, a pill or a counsellor's couch. You will know peace with God as the highest thing you prize in all of life by turning to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we take this story from the Old Testament of these people who asked God, what are you saying to us? They then heard what you were saying and they said, we don't like it. We don't want it. And today it's possible for us to hear what God is saying and to go, we don't like it, we don't want it. But I pray, Father, for every person here that we might have hearts of courage, hearts that say, Jesus, help me. I want to follow you. And here's the good news. You cry out to Jesus for help and he will give it to you. He will 
give you a strength that is not yours right now. You cry out to Jesus to save your soul. He will. He will fill you with a peace and a joy you've not known. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you don't have the assurance that if you were to die this day and stand before the gate of heaven, those gates would open. If you don't have that assurance, you are one prayer away from peace with God. A prayer that says, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life and help me to live for you. I want to follow you. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone here that we, your people, might go deeper that we might not just scratch the surface of your word, but Lord, we might mine your word and find hidden treasures there. Father, for the weary, I pray, strengthen them. For the confused, I pray, settle their minds. For those, Lord, who have backed off a bit, I pray, bring them close. Do this now. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said... Amen. It takes courage for a preacher to preach the truth of God's word when the listener would really rather just have their ears tickled. It's a challenge for us to faithfully, truthfully and prayerfully handle the word of God. More from Dr. Corbett next week with I Will Grant You Mercy. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Whether Good or Bad, We Will Obey, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to having you join us at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.